This is a post-Christian podcast. Welcome to the Revolution Church Podcast. coming at you in a new year in 2021 um we got some new gear for christmas or actually i got new gear for christmas um we did a little video that we're gonna post on the revolution church minneapolis um uh instagram here a little bit after service and as i've said before we got this got some feedback already no um I like, we're trying to find a good lighting situation. Our apartment where we're at is on the sun side, so I always feel like I have God's glory shining through me in the windows. Um, But we got one of the ring lights I got as a Christmas present from my brother, so shout out to my brother for that. Um, But yeah, so we're trying to see what's going on. I know I can see in my glasses a little bit the ring light, but I'll try to look down so you don't see that. But I just wanted to tell everyone, um, Merry Christmas, Happy Kwanzaa, Happy Festivus, Happy New Year, all of those fun things, whatever you celebrate or if you don't celebrate anything. And we made it through the hellish year of 2020, everyone. That, can I just say that you're just sucked? Sucked. Um, And now we can actually say 2020 is in hindsight. And now we're in 2021. Um, we're really weird to say that it's 2021. I thought in 2010 was um, was cool because I'm like, oh, we're out of the zeros, and now we're into the tens, and now we're 2021. Um, so glad that everyone can join us. If you're joining us live, um, or if you watch this later, or if you listen to it on the Sacred Collective feed that that we have. Um, this will probably come out in a few weeks, but just thank you for joining us. Um, this is probably going to be a little bit um, of a shorter one, partly because my computer is probably going to die, and my little handy H6 recorder, um, there's a lot of power going through it. Two microphones, um, and actually three microphones, can actually take a lot out of it. However, if anybody watched our video I came out with, I think it was back on Tuesday, I did like a little teaser video of kind of some new things happening in in Revolution um, in 2021. Um, obviously, we got new gear for the setup here when we're doing it live, um, and I'm probably going to try to use it not just for Revolution, but if we do, as you, everyone probably knows by now, of, of uh, Sacred Collective and other things, I'm going to kind of use... I mean, I got this gear, why not use it, right? Um, But then um, I'm going to start a series. I know Jay, for those of you who follow Revolution out in Seattle, he does his yearly Galatians um, thing. And I'm probably going to start one, not copying him, but I'm going to start one with the Gospel of Matthew. um, Because as I said on the video, I've kind of have this love relationship with the Gospel of Matthew now. I'm not going to go through the whole thing because it's like 25 chapters. 
But I'm going to go through certain parts of it because I think it's a lot of the things in the Gospel of Matthew uh, are really important and poignant for us um, in our day-to-day life now. So um, without further ado, I'm going to start out um, not at the beginning of Matthew because some of the beginning of Matthew is like the birth story, the birth narrative. And I'm sure a lot of us have that's been kind of beaten into our head for a lot. But one of my favorite parts of, of the Gospel of Matthew is the Beatitudes. And a lot of us have heard the Beatitudes, uh, Sermon on the Mount's the same thing. Um, and I remember going a little theological. I remember growing up in seminary when I was in seminary. Um, you know, being told, because we think of this, we, we think... I think of, of these stories of like when Jesus was talking or these um, gospel stories or even just the other narratives in the Bible, almost like an epic, almost like you see it in like a movie. You see, you know, like you look at the flood story and you, you, I look at it as this big epic blockbuster film. But in reality, it was very small. It was not, I'm not saying necessarily the, the flood narrative, but the Sermon on the Mount they say that where the Sermon on the Mount was is just, it would be no different if you went to a grassy knoll, there was a little bit of a slight hill, and people just sat on it. Um, or like a berm where like you're in a grassy thing and there's just this area of, of grass and whatever. And that's pretty much what the Sermon on the Mount was. And Jesus was probably sitting, um, maybe he was standing, and he was just sitting, you know, talking to his disciples, talking to his followers around him. And he said this. And and what I think is so awesome about the Sermon on the Mount is um, I don't think this is, I think, yes, it's applicable to Christians, but I think it's also applicable to just people in general, how to live a good life. And that's one thing I love about Jesus' teachings is, yes, it's, you know, for Christians to believe and to practice, but I also would say it's also for just humans in general um, to to just live by. So, uh, kind of what I'm gonna do with the with this, and I'm I know, and I'm probably gonna at least do Matthew for this month of January, and then maybe go to another series or a theme. Um, we'll see. Um, but what I pretty much what I'm gonna do is kind of just read each of the Beatitudes. There's thirteen uh, like thirteen verses. Just going to read the beatitude, kind of give um, my two cents, the interpretation that I think it's meaning, and then we'll open it up if anybody has questions, comments, pushbacks, whatever. So, not gonna not gonna throw you over the head with a super in depth theological over your head thing, but just kind of sliding into twenty twenty one with something that's important, but something that um, isn't too like I said, hit you over the head with theology. Um, So, here we go. Seeing the crowds, Jesus went up to the mountain, and when he sat down, his disciples came to him. And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Uh, That was the first beatitude. And I know this sounds corny, but I was always taught by, like, my, my dad, my mom, and even pastors in the church, uh, with the Beatitudes, it's, it's having that attitude, like, be attitude, like, having that positive attitude. I know it's corny, but in a way, it's just, like, having this positive attitude. 
but blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Um, I don't really know what to do with that, honestly. Um, it, I, I don't know if meaning poor in spirit means... Uh, I mean, Curtis, you can jump in. You have a microphone. Do you know anything off the top of your head what you would said that would be? Or Amanda, you're here too. I mean, I, I feel that poor in spirit is... Not being, like, physically poor, like, not having anything, not having, uh, you know, money or things, but uh, maybe that... And I think the whole understanding of the gospel is is this subversive event, because of my last sermon on the Christ child thing, the whole birth narrative is this subversive event. Jesus being born, he's the... Savior, everyone thought he was going to be this king and this ruler, like like what we see all over the world now and back then too. But I feel like a lot with the poor in spirit, it's kind of the subversive way again. Is those who don't have a lot of things are going to inherit the kingdom of heaven, and that's going to in essence be all the riches you need. I don't know. Do we think? Yeah, I mean, there's some crazy, like, upside-down world that is explained through the kingdom of God uh, sort of narrative that Jesus gives off. And it just seems like everything in this world that we see as being powerful or beneficial, somehow in the kingdom of God, it's the exact opposite of that. And I think that that's what he's trying to get at here. And also, I think that it contrasts or I guess maybe complements uh, it definitely interplays with what's said in the gospel of Mark I think it is where I think he ends with saying blessed are the poor and then here he's saying blessed are the poor in spirit mm-hmm. uh, so I don't know what to do with that interplay but I think it's helpful to know that something like that's going on here yeah and and I like that how you brought that in with that connection to in the Gospel of, of Mark, where I do think when Jesus is talking about it, because no different from back then it is now, we think, oh, if you have money, you have a house, you have cars, you have all these things, then you're you're rich. I mean, predominantly, probably all throughout humanity, the more money you have, the more stature you have, the better people look at you, the more people look at you as... Uh, more well off oh he or she has has made it you know have you know pushed themselves up to the top of that mountain and there they are but i feel like jesus is saying you know the poor in spirit you know they're going to be they're going to receive the kingdom of heaven so if you've had a crap go of it here on this plane of existence here in this reality then you know i'm sorry that you know it's going to get better However, it might not get better here in this kind of plane of existence, but it will be better in heaven, whatever heaven may be. So then going into the the next uh, beatitude, um, blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. And I I like that one that goes to me that signals um, like a lament. Those who have lost loved ones, those who kind of that go ties into the previous verse of blessed um those who are in poor in spirit so so if you're hurting if if you you know if you're disabled if you you know life here in this plane of existence 
is rough for you, you have a disability, you have something that makes it harder for you to just live a day-to-day life, um, you know, Christ is with you. Jesus is with you. Uh, Jesus is going to mourn with you. He's going to be in your suffering. He's going to be in your, he's going to be in your corner. Um, and I, I, w- I want to say this too, like it, sometimes reading this, and I've read it numerous times, but reading this again the other day in preparation for today, some of these things, it, it, it I like them. I like the Beatitudes, but sometimes I'm like, it's so much, uh, sometimes I read it and I'm like, well, right. Like, I know that this is going to be the eventual goal. I know if there is a heaven or if we get to heaven that these things are going to become reality. There's not going to be any hurt. There's not going to be any suffering. There's not going to be any mourning. But some of these words sometimes always don't give me right here and now that comfort, that that feeling of uh, I'm gonna everything's gonna be fine. But if you if we take it here in the scripture how it is, um, blessed are those who mourn for they shall be comforted. I, I but so it's like this fifty fifty pull for me where part of me just in my my rational brain is like, well that's not good enough. I want to be comforted now. I want to be, you know, for my for my friends and family who are suffering, whether with uh, mental affliction, mental illness, a physical illness. Like, yes, this verse is saying that Christ is going to be with you. The 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 brothers and sisters in Christ are going to be with you. Um, so there's that part, but then there's that part where I'm like, I want them not to feel that they're in that pain uh, right now anymore. But with this scripture, it says they will be comforted. So maybe that means they're comforted in this plane of existence. Maybe it means they're comforted in heaven. So be it. I don't know. Anybody else want to save two cents? This is a very... Now that we have all these microphones, we can have... Uh, I don't have to move the camera or the computer. Now we can actually talk and whatever. Nothing? Well, okay. I, I guess I... Uh, um, Go for it. So, it seems like the the Gospels here often use this future tense sort of language to talk about the kingdom of God. Like, uh, I think Jesus at one point says, um, there will be a number of people here, like, that I'm speaking to today that will see the kingdom of God before they die. Um in other places, I believe he says the kingdom of God is within you. Uh, so it feels like there's sort of two layers of messages going on. Um, some of it is kind of future tense and some of it is more apocalyptic where it's like it's actually happening happening currently. You just can't quite perceive it or see it. Mm-hmm. Um, I, pre- I prefer to go along with the uh, present tense sort of stuff. Uh, I kind of believe a little bit more in kind of the Buddhist mentality of the present moment. Um, but that's something that isn't necessarily just Buddhist. It, it, it comes from uh, Jesus as well, uh, emphasizing the present moment. Because in some ways, if you are continuously delaying the expectation of when God will act into the furthest distant of future, even beyond your own life, uh, you might have a lower expectation than you should of God acting here and now 
in your present life. Uh, maybe, and maybe it's already happening. You just can't perceive it. Mm-hmm. Very good. I like that. Are you sure you didn't go to seminary? <laughs> I mean, what the heck? Uh, no, that was, that was really good. Um, and some of these words I feel like they use, I feel like we use the word mourn in our society, but it's not a word I feel like we use a lot, at least in the American context. We use grief. We use, uh, I think grief is the big one. Yes, we do mourn. You know, like when you hear like mourning, I mean, obviously there's two variations of mourning, like mourning in the day and then mourning in this sense. Um but I don't know. I like. I just feel like it's some of these words. Uh, it sometimes is tough for me to even. Uh, I mean, I don't know. I didn't take Greek or Hebrew, but it just seems like I don't know. It just seems like some of these words. Uh, we just don't use them in our vocabulary in our vernacular as much anymore, um, which I find is interesting. Can one of you, real quick, maybe Amanda, since you're here, can you look up the definition of me? Because our next verse has to deal with meek. Mm-hmm. And I want to make sure that I get the definition of definition right. I like this interplay here with all all of us here. Because, you know, Revolution Church Minneapolis is not just Brian, it's Curtis, it's Amanda, it's everyone who's a part of, and all of our online listeners too, it's it's all of us. So Amanda, let me know when you, you have the definition pulled up. I have it pulled up. Okay, let me just read the verse real quick. Verse 5 in the Beatitude is, Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. And Amanda, take it away with what meek, the definition of meek is. All right, the definition of meek, I'm pulling that up from uh, merriamwebster.com. There's three definitions that they have. The first for meek is enduring injury with, patient, with patience without resentment. Uh, number two is... Deficient in spirit and courage, or submissive. And three is not violent or strong. Hmm. So I think the last two would probably be what this verse is getting at. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Um, I think that, okay, if, you're, if I'm not mistaken, you said th- being meek is someone who doesn't go for like violence, vengeance, uh, right? Correct. Yes. Not violent or not strong was the third definition. The second, uh, deficient in spirit and courage. So in a way, it's that interplay kind of going back, and I love the word of, of subversive. Is, is Jesus in a way saying, hey, you know what? This kingdom of, of that I'm coming in here with, this not the kingdom of Rome, not the kingdom of you know other principalities of the world, but my kingdom... And this teaching, this ethic, is based on the subversiveness of you're going to uh, be less than what these principalities and these powers and these uh, you know other leaders of the world are saying. So if you are poor in spirit in a way, um, uh, not strong in your spirit, uh, if you're one that doesn't go towards the sword, you're not one that goes for violence or bloodshed then you're gonna in you know you're gonna inherit the earth i mean that's literally what it says that you're gonna inherit the earth you're gonna be the one that because of your poor your meekness you're going to be more powerful one day uh than all of these uh 
all these other people, all these other kingdoms, all these other powers. And it's really funny as we go through here, you're going to see how all these beatitudes are interconnected. A lot of times when you read it, you're just like, okay, you know, you read it like, okay, okay, okay. But then when you're going back and and what I really like is is like how poor in spirit go into the goes into the meekness uh, and how you mourn. We look at in a lot of ways we look at mourning as as not a weakness, but like you're not at your best. You're not at your strongest, and that kind of goes with what Amanda was saying. Uh, is that you're not strong in your spirit. So in a way, it's looking at the, the, these beatitudes in a way is almost saying like, oh, you're, 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 you're not strong, you're poor, you're weak. And that is what society is going to say. That's what the world is going to say. However, in Christ's mind, in this Christ-mindedness, that's what we need. We need that subversive. He's kind of taking this power dynamic, this power play, and and kind of ripping the you know carpet up from from underneath us and is saying hey if you are poor in spirit hey if you are um, less than to these people that's exactly uh, what I want you to be I want you to exactly have this ethic because that's what they think of as me and if you follow Jesus's teachings and the eventual outcome then. Uh, it's kind of like one day, you know, if you have this outcome and you follow me and you have this ethic that one day at the end of everything, we're going to be the ones on the top, not all these people over here. Um, Caleb had a quick comment. Uh, he said that, yeah, it is subversive. Blessed are the poor. Give your life to gain it. God is a dirty sinner. <laughs> and Ray said, uh, I have no time for the future tense perspective. Uh, let's get on it now. I concur with what Kurt said. Um, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Um, sorry, sorry, slow to react as my dinner in the oven was burning. Well, <laughs> Ray, you need to get on that, okay? You need to get that dinner out of the oven that's not burning. Yeah, no, and I agree uh, what everyone was saying. Kurt, you should maybe just take over because everyone's liking <laughs> well, what you said. Well, I just saying. thought of something, though. Um, <laughs> I mean, I feel like perhaps uh, Jesus saying this sort of stuff is kind of like a lightning bolt. Mm-hmm. And it's like we know this humongous crack of thunder is on its way. Um, so maybe in that sense you can uh, bring the two of like future tense and present tense together where it's like you him even just saying these words are the the crack and you know this huge boom is going to come which is when the subversion actually takes place um maybe for jesus's own readers it was when the the temple curtain ripped in the holy of holies uh getting god out of this uh small enclosure and into the entire world and that same sort of event can occur for us i i would think before we die no yeah i agree i i i do obviously think we need the interplay of present tense and future tense i think it is look exactly what you said kurt is that um it's that like lightning bolt moment or, or move in a way of Jesus was, we look at it in the tense when it was written and like when Sermon on the Mount, it was kind of like this epic type of teaching when we go back. When you study scripture, when you're in seminary, even in the church, like they're telling you like Jesus speaking to like the Sermon on the Mount was like this huge thing. Like he spoke not just to his disciples, it says to his disciples, 
but also to his followers. So, like, this was kind of, like, one of his, in my opinion, like, his magnum opus of saying, like, you you want to be part of this kingdom. You want to be part of this ethic. You want to, you want to be a follower of me. This is how I'm telling you to live. You look at any spiritual leader. You look at the Buddha. You look at, you know, um, Muhammad. You look at, in whatever religion you follow or that we look at, you're, you're going to have these points in their holy scripture of this, like, aha moment or of this, uh, where people in that faith can circle that and be like, this is really what this this deity or this, or this holy person was trying to say. And I think within the Sermon on the Mount is exactly what um, Jesus was getting at. It's this subversive event. And I'm kind of a nerd of, of like, obviously going back, what is the hermeneutics, which is the the art and science of interpretation? What was Jesus really trying to get at to his followers, to, to the hearers? But also we have to look at what is this in our context today? What does this mean to us in our present time? And but also like what Curtis says too is like, what is it saying to us in our future tense? Where, where is it bringing us in the future tense? And I think we knew, we do need uh, that both and. We, we, we need both of them to to have it. And I do think that, um, and kind of one of the comments here um, was like, let's get on it now. Like what Ray had said, you know, let's, we need to start living that way now. Yeah. Not not just looking at it in the past and be like, oh, okay, this sounds good. But this is a call. It wasn't just a call to arms back then to those people. It's a call to arms for people today. And like I said earlier on the start of this, it wasn't just, it's not just, this isn't necessarily for me, the way I look at it, this isn't just for Christians, people who say that they are, you know, believers in Jesus. But I think this is good for all humanity because a lot of these things are, are you know it's not like the, it's not like a ten commandment it's, it's it's kind of like a golden rule but it's just saying like hey like this is this is a good way just to live life this is just a good good way to um, be a good human being you know um, kind of going into the next one uh, this is a more little uh, I guess close to like Christianese but verse six says blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. For they shall be satisfied. Um, I don't think it, I mean, it could just be, you know, like thirst for righteousness of, of like being, you know, doing the good things, obeying the Bible, blah, blah, blah. But I think you can also, you know, transpose that into saying um, just being righteous to me is, I mean, it's in the word, be, doing what's right. Just do, doing what's right. So, obviously, you know, you know, if you have a co-worker that, you know, is an asshole, everything inside of you as a human being is like, hey, that person's an asshole to me. I'm going to be an asshole to them back. I'm going to start talking crap about them. I'm going to, you know, judge them. I'm going to just make their life hell. Well, being righteous is saying that person might not like me, not saying you have to be BFS with them, not even saying you have to talk to them, but just saying what's what's right what's right for me to do being right is not letting that affect me but then also not giving not looking at that person in an ill will toward a way like saying like if you're the praying type just to be like hey god hopefully you bless that person or um i don't know what they're going through but be with that person or sending out positive vibes to the universe whatever whatever you want to do and then we could a through z look at at things of 
um, doing what's right. Um, if, if there's, you know, not too far from our house, we have a homeless encampment. And everybody knows in Minnesota, it can get really, really cold really quick, a lot of snow. Um, maybe doing what's right is giving them food. Maybe what's doing what's right is instead of, you know, under your breath saying, oh, well, these people are blah, 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 blah. But maybe what's doing what's right is saying, I don't know what, why they're in the situation they're in. I don't know if it was purposeful or not purposeful. Uh, we don't know what's going on, why they're there. But maybe doing what's right is pulling over, giving them, <clears throat> excuse me, some, some food or if you have any spare change, doing that. Like, so I think what being, um, for those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, they should be satisfied. <clears throat> And sorry, I had a little dryness in my mouth, but those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, it, it almost makes it seem like um, it's talking about like physical hunger, like I want some bread or fish or I want some water. And I think that there's that part of it because that's something that all humans need. We all need food and sustenance and water. But I think if we do what's right like as I was just saying, that is in essence going to give us that hunger or that we're going to be fed spiritually. We're going to be, um, we're not going to be thirsty anymore spiritually because of what we're doing is right and righteous. So yes, there's that definite, um, kind of Christianese biblical, um, part of it, but I think it kind of, to, to kind of deconstruct it in a way, it's also for us just as human beings, just to do what's right. Cause when we're right, it's going to, it's gonna it's gonna quench our, our hunger and our thirst and our souls and it's not to be like oh I'm gonna pat myself on the back good job Brian for what I did but I think it's just in your own spiritualness in your own soul and your own consciousness when you do something that's righteous when you do something that's right there's that little part of you in the back of your head whether you admit it to anyone or not that you're like that made me feel good and because that made me feel good and I'm putting something positive out there in the world that positive thing might affect that person um, in another way. And and one of the reasons I brought that that point up about coworkers, because there's there's a coworker at my job who when me and him started, we, we weren't like close, but you know, I talked to him about my family and my life and he talked to me about his his family and his life. And then over time, I don't know if he didn't like the way I worked or some of my opinions and theology, but he, he's a complete jerk to me now. I mean, he, when I see him at work, he, you know, pretty much walks with this air of superiority and, you know, all this stuff. But just reading this, I was just like, I need to do the right thing. I need to stop bad mouthing him. I need to stop giving ill will. I don't know what he's going through. And that's not even, that's not even, I, I don't even need to know what's going on with him. I just know in my heart and in my soul that if I start treating him with respect, I start treating him like a human being, and I a I'm not and, and not showing that he's going to hurt me, you know, in my own my own life. That um, that that I'm doing what's right, and I'm not that I need some eternal reward or a pat on my back, but just knowing to myself and in my own mind and in my own head that that uh, what I'm doing is right. I'm going to take a sip of water. Hang on. Um, so the next one, um, 
verse 7, Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. I think that's the same, kind of the same thing. Though we need to practice being a merciful kind of people. And as I said, whether you're a Christian, played, it, it has the interplay with that. But as, as again, being, being mercy, having, if you're going to, and it's just kind of the basic, like if you give mercy to someone, you're going to receive it back. It's, if you do the right thing to someone, not all the time, but you're going to get that right, that right way of living, that righteousness, it's going to be given back to you. So in a lot of the same way, being merciful to someone is you're going to receive mercy back. And I don't have, you know, a quick story off the top of my head. I just think that's kind of self-explanatory. Um, I like what Caleb said. Blessed are the Minnesotans, for they shall inherit Hawaii. Don't think that that's true. I would really like it, Caleb, if that was true. Um, we are going to get to a balmy 40 degrees tomorrow. So, I mean, that's about as close in January as we're going to get to Hawaii. But, hey, you know, it, it can work. Um but yeah, so blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Um, I, I, you know, the only thing I can think of, and I know this is kind of corny, is there's the movie that came out last year called Just Mercy, which uh, Michael K. Jordan was, Michael B. Jordan was in, and he was a black lawyer um, defending a, a black man who was put in prison, um, you know, for for whatever reason, and I think it's based off of a true story. And everyone was telling the, the Michael B. Jordan's character as the lawyer, like, you're the only black lawyer that's ever come in and fought for us. All the other lawyers were like, you know, whatever. And he fought and he fought and he fought and he fought. Um, when everyone else was against him, when the judge or the criminal, you know, reform, all that stuff, the courts and everything was against him. And he kept showing mercy, kept giving dignity to this man that eventually um, this guy got out of prison. And even something like that, so using that with just mercy. So maybe maybe this means fighting for, fighting for that person, fighting for a cause, fighting for what you believe in, and having that mercy, never giving up, having that drive, having that oomph to do that. Uh, people are going to see that. Um, might not be a lot of people. might be one person. might be two people. Who knows? Um, but I've, I'm a firm believer that whatever you put out into the world, the positivity, if you're going to put out all this positivity, all these things, eventually, I fully believe, eventually it's going to come back to you. If, you just are, if you're a jerk of a person and you're always angry, you're always mad, you, you always are negative, then you're always going to get that back. And I don't know if that's a Buddhist kind of way or new agey type of thing, but I'm, I'm a believer in that um, myself. Kind of to go through this pretty quick. Um, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Uh, I just think that all kind of goes into what these previous verses have said. Um, none of us are pure. <laughs> I mean, that's just reality. Um, we and I don't. I don't like using the word sin because I think that is such a Christianese word. I think that's a weaponized word, um, and really. All that sin means in the in the Greek, I do know this, at least for Greek, is just missing the mark. This all that sin means is missing the mark. So we all miss the mark every day as people. Whatever we do, um, kind of going through these these beatitudes, I uh, I'm not always meek, I'm not always righteous. That's missing the mark. That means I'm falling, I'm failing as a person in a way. Not failing, you know, 
my my wife or my daughter or my friends, but just failure to live up to my potential as a human being. So I think that uh, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. I think that's so. That kind of goes um, into the same thing: being merciful, being meek, being um, being mournful, being poor in spirit. Once you do all those things, in a way, you're starting to be pure. Uh, pure in heart and those are the people once you have build on this those are going to be the people um, or that are going to see they're going to see God and in verse 9 blessed are the peacemakers for they shall be called sons I would also say daughters of God and that's um, I'm not going to get into a conversation about war I'm not going to be get into a conversation about violence I will say read throughout scripture read uh, read the words of Jesus. Jesus is very, I would say, pacifistic. I would say Jesus very clearly in the New Testament, um, and he, you know, kind of put it into his disciples' minds too, of being a person who is slow to anger, slow to wrath, slow to violence. I don't. Th- I think Jesus is right on when Jesus says, "Hey, you know what? If you're going to live by the sword, you're going to die by the sword." Um, you know, he uses if someone, you know, slaps your face, turn the other cheek so they can slap the other one. Because, it's, it, again, it's this subversive thing. Like, I remember when I started telling even some of my own Christian friends in the conservative denomination I grew up in, I was like, yeah, I'm a pacifist. They're like, what? And I'm like, yeah, I feel like Jesus pretty much clearly states that in Scripture of, of um, you know, you know, and people are like, oh, Jesus has vengeance, his mind says the Lord. Yeah, Jesus says that, but Jesus' vengeance and human vengeance is completely different. Uh, you, you, you can't, and we think of it as war and God's going to come down and wipe out and destroy other people, which I don't think is accurate. But I think the peacemaker is is saying, like, be peaceful. Um, there might be times of war. I mean, look at the Old Testament. You know, people fought and killed each other all the time, and they did it for in the name of God. And you see Jesus in the New Testament kind of flipping it and being subversive and saying, no, we don't need, that's not going to work. Maybe that worked back then, but part of this kingdom and part of this ethic is not that. It's just clearly not that. And so being a peacemaker Yes, I have my own two senses. Yeah, be be pacifistic, not just in war, but just in violence yourself. You know, people are like, well, what if someone came in and, you know, broke down your door and, you know, tried to murder your wife and daughter? I'll be like, well, yeah, I think that's a different situation. And I think um, I have a clear mandate to, to protect my family. But the the likelihood of that happening is very, very small. It's like getting hit with lightning. I mean, could it happen? Yes. Is it probably going to happen? No. But I just think of having this peaceful, whether it's just by yourself, individually having this peaceful thing, and then even as uh, as a country, as a people, having this peaceful mentality. Because if we're peacemakers, it says right here, we should be called sons and daughters of God. So I think that that ethic, and, and I, like, I like to use the word mimic, if we mimic these teachings of Jesus, if we mimic the, this ethic, this is the way, this is how you're going to be part of God's kingdom is by doing all these things and being someone who's hell-bent on violence, being someone who is all for violence and, and anger and bloodshed, that's just not the ethic that, that Jesus is throwing down. Um, verse 10, blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. 
And I'm not gonna, you know, I'm not gonna say persecuted. Some people do die for their faith. There's people in parts of the world who, to this day, who are killed for their for their beliefs in God uh, and for their beliefs in other, you know, religions. Um, I'm not gonna. That could mean that, but I just think, um, kind of as I was saying, all these totally play right off each other from from verse three all the way down to where we're at now in ten. Is that if you, if you have this righteous mindset, if you if you are a peacemaker, if you are meek, if you are um, merciful, you are going to see you're going to be persecuted more. I would look at persecuted. You're going to be ridiculed. You're going to be mocked. You're going to be made fun of. People are going to be like, look at this, you know, freak over here. What? Look at this Jesus freak, or look at this person who thinks they're high and mighty. And people can say that, and that, that's literally them persecuting you. Is saying, look at, I'm making fun of them. And I always look at it as the people who bully you or make fun of you, they're struggling with something in their own mind. They're struggling with something in their own psyche. And by them, it makes them feel better by making fun of you and persecuting you. But in a way, they can't bring themselves to just sit down and understand and wrestle around with that themselves. So those are you who are persecuted, ridiculed, mocked, made fun of. Um, you, you are, you're going to see you are the kingdom of God because look at Jesus, who if you're a Christian, we literally are Christ's follower. Jesus was ridiculed, mocked, made fun of. So he's like, if I got ridiculed and made fun of, you're going to get ridiculed and made fun of. But however, silver lining, you're going to see this kingdom. You are a part of this kingdom. And one of my favorite things of of my mentality of looking at it is we think of the kingdom of God as this far off eternal thing somewhere in the sky somewhere wherever but jesus is quite clear in the new testament that the kingdom of god is here and it's present we're living in it we're moving in it we're a part of it right now so and this is exactly what he was talking to the disciples and his followers with the sermon of the mount is he was saying this isn't a far off thing this is it right now this i'm here on earth telling you this is the kingdom of god if you want to be this thought, you know, and I, and I look at Christianity more as a philosophy. Yes, it's a faith, but it's a philosophy that if you live by this philosophy, you live by this moral, you live by this ethic, you are in this kingdom. Um, so take that as, as what you will. The last part I'll read, the last two verses, 11 and 12. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad for your reward is great in heaven, for they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Like I said, that's connecting the and, and just kind of doing a more like what we're 45 minutes in. Like this just, just came alive to me more reading it having this doing it live for revolution than ever before because i've never just saw how beautifully and eloquently it just kind of played off of each other every verse just played off of each other and 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 morphed so well into this thing and just that ending of that part of the the scripture is like if you do all these things that i'm telling you to do be, be have a peaceful heart be righteous be merciful be mournful you are going to get made fun of. You are going to be ridiculed. You are going to be mocked like I was. And that just saying that right now is, is, gives me chills because, you know, I tell people, you know, you can make fun of me all the time. Like in high school, I was known as this Jesus freak because 
I, I purposely chose to be friends with the people that, oh, that person's like a stoner or that person, you know, has sex with all these other people. That person's, you know, 15 and she's pregnant. That person, you know, is ugly and look at their disability. And I was the kind, and I didn't do it because I was like, ooh, I'm a Christian. I did it because I knew it was the right thing to do. And so I got made fun of all throughout high school. But now all these people who made fun of me, years down the road, they were like, why were you so nice to these people? Why did you, why, why did you care about them? And I was like, because it was the right thing to do. And so they made fun of me, they made fun of me, they mocked me, and I know that's a very small scale. But it's this thing, like, if we know as human beings what to do is right and we don't do it, that's, that's wrong. Um, and as someone who I, I have no, I'm unabashedly unashamed of saying that I, I am a Christian, and so I know that living this, what I just read in, in, in the Beatitudes, I know that if I live this life and live this lifestyle that people are going to make fun of me. I know that people are going to look at me and be like, oh, well, this guy's this super, super uber Christian. And I'm not going to say I'm a super uber Christian. I'm going to say I'm a Christian, but I am going to, um, like I said, I'm not going to complain if someone makes fun of me because I know in my heart, I know in my soul, I know in my mind that I'm, I'm living the right, the, I don't know, the right way. And I try, I tell people, I don't care what, all the prophets had said. I don't care what all the disciples had said. I care about what Jesus says. I'm not saying what those people said were wrong. I just look at it as, uh, as I care about what Jesus says. I'm trying to mimic my life off the teachings of Jesus. And if Jesus says, if you live this way, you're going to be part of the kingdom. You're part of the kingdom, but you're going to get made fun of and ridiculed and persecuted along the way. And, you know, just going to let you know that that's going to happen. And, that's my two cents for today. I could keep going longer, but I think I've kind of exhaustedly said what I wanted to say. So um, any other comments or any thoughts and ideas? Um, well, I guess I, uh, the interplay between the present and the future tense is actually in this text, and I didn't realize it, but the, the verb blessed is right now. It's not saying, like, you will be blessed in the future, it's saying you're blessed currently, and that is probably going to lead to material conditions changing mm-hmm. in the future. So in that way, maybe I was bringing up a point that was a little bit moot. I just didn't realize it at the time. Um, but yeah, additionally, I uh, I was like tying in current events. The National Defense Authorization Act was just passed by Congress. Uh, humongous amount of money, I think more than we've ever given to the military and Jesus is saying, blessed are the peacemakers. I think it's important to be against that sort of mm-hmm. behavior where as a country, we spend more on our military than the next 10 countries combined. Yeah. It's it's important, I think, as Christians to be uh, cognizant of the fact that we're unable to be neutral on a moving train, that the policies of our country are very war-minded, and I think that's a negative thing. Um, but the way that you try to combat that, I think, is within the context of the Beatitudes, which is to say you should be merciful to the people that voted for it or the people that support that sort of thing. Because, like you were talking about your coworker, 
uh, they're probably going through some stuff, or they just don't have the context of how to live life properly, how to interact with people, and um, yeah, try to be pure of heart when advocating against this sort of stuff. Don't do it out of vainness. You know, be meek and mild, and explain your point. Be articulate. I, I don't know. I, I think that uh, all of these suggestions that Jesus is making or, or uh, statements that he's making play within one, one another quite well. And uh, it's definitely making me think. So thanks for choosing this topic today. <laughs> yeah, and because I was thinking of like, oh, I could do Ecclesiastes. I could do, I mean, there's so many different parts that I'm, that I, in the scripture that I want to jump out at. And over Christmas, I was just thinking, I'm like, I want to start out with Matthew because I think looking back, I've done like two or three parts in Matthew. And I don't know why. They, I mean, I've grown up in the church, went to Bible college, went to seminary. And I've studied the Gospels, but I don't know why. But right now, wherever I'm at in my life, it's just like the Gospel of Matthew is just coming alive to me in a, in a different way than it has before. And I mean, I'll just to our listeners now who are listening. Um, there's going to be parts that I'm going to talk about, like because I shut my Bible, but there's parts in Matthew where it's going to talk about anger. There's I'm going to talk about that. There's talking about lust. And obviously, I'm going to talk about that. And but there's oh, a spoiler alert. Oh, spoiler I alert! <laughs> so tune in for that. And and but I think and the one thing that I will say to both conservatives to liberals, we all cherry pick. We all cherry pick stuff in the Bible. Uh, conservatives will cherry pick on to say, well, this is why that this is okay that we do this. Liberals and progressives, we cherry pick and say, oh well, this is in the Bible, and I'm going to talk about lust in a few weeks and some people some of my more progressive or liberal people might be like oh how dare you say that and and yes I can't get out of my liberalness or progressiveness because that's just who I am but I'm also but that and I'm not saying I believe every single word in the Bible is 100% accurate or true but kind of what like what Curtis is saying is exactly what I wanted with this I want us to make us think I want us to to look at it and just how we live in our daily, daily, day-to-day lives. And every time I preach, every time I talk, I've said this to Amanda, I'll say this to my closest friends, I have to put myself in these talks. I have to put myself in these sermons because if I don't, then, then, then it makes me feel like I'm better than, or like, oh, I, I, I've done this, so why can't everyone else do it? No, I'm, I'm in it with everyone. I, I struggle. I fail every day. I I miss the mark every day, and I don't always pray about it. I don't always talk about it, but sometimes in my head, I was like, I was a real asshole to this person. Why? Why? Why was I a jerk to that person? And then, but and that's why, like, the Beatitudes came alive to me, even kind of rereading it, and I was like, we all need to be reminded of this kind of ethic, and, and, I, and I actually do tell people, I think Christianity is more of a philosophy you know, we look at Buddhist philosophy, we look at Hindu philosophy, but I think we look at, at in Christianity as like, oh, it's you have faith or you don't have faith. And I think it's better, yes, it's a faith, but it's, it's a philosophy. It's a way to live. It's a way to, to be. And, and um, I think you're going to get more of that in the upcoming, you know, weeks as we dive through Matthew. And I, you know, I, I know for the two or three weeks out, I have... 
a sketch of what I want to do, but if people like Matthew and what I'm talking about Matthew, we can keep it going longer. Or, I mean, the Bible's full of a lot of things that we could talk about, but um, I don't know. I'm glad for all of our interaction with Curtis and with Amanda and people online. Do we have anything else? Any mm-hmm. other comments from people? I'm going to see if we have any other comments. Thank you to Ray and, and Caleb for chiming in. Um, this is really good. I like this for the the first first one for uh, 2021. Um, as a, as always, this will be up. Um, if you haven't listened to all of it or whatever, it'll probably be up within 20 minutes to an hour. This will um, I'll remind people on Instagram. Um, we have a closed Revolution Church community page. I have it closed just so it's for the people who are part of this community can ask more questions. As always, um, interact with me online. I'm I'm in that community group. I'm sure most of you have my um, either my phone number or find me on Instagram. Uh, There's the Revolution Church Minneapolis one. My personal one's Rogue Theologian, and we just want to. And as I said, this this community isn't me or Curtis or Amanda or, or Caleb or, or Ray, it's everyone who wants to be a part of this. And I think one of our taglines I just put on this, um, it's church without the bullshit. And I'm really going to, I think I really believe in that, that that message is, is church without the bullshit. And maybe maybe we can make a shirt or a banner or do something. But I really I really do think it is that. It's, it's church without the, the pomp and circumstances, without the smells and the bells, not saying that that stuff's bad, but I'm my. I just want it to be church without the bullshit, just the, the nitty gritty. So uh, till next time, um, have a. I'm glad everyone had a good holiday season, good New Year. Let's start this out strong and much love and respect to everyone. And we'll see you next week. Bye.
Revolution Church Minneapolis is pastored by Brian Odland. All the music that you've heard in this episode is by myself, Caleb Rowe, and this show is produced by Post-Christian Podcasting. Of course, it's made possible by all the members of Revolution, including Curtis Hanna, Amanda Odland, Jay Baker, and the whole rest of the gang, even you. (laughs) Thank <laughs> you.